Hi, I'm Mike Dilk and you're listening to the Relax Bank UK show. The show that explores all kinds of health topics relevant to you, your family and your friends. Each week I talk to expert guests from a range of backgrounds to inform and entertain you. So please do join the Relax Bank UK family and stay tuned. Hi and thank you for joining me, Mike Dilk, on this week's Relax Bank UK show. Two excellent topics this time. First I chat with Quentin Wilson, motoring journalist and transport campaigner and uh, we talk about electric vehicles well look there are a million electric cars now on uk roads being happily driven by people who have folded them into their lives and aren't complaining we cover their popularity and in some instances their unpopularity as far as the type of electric cars available we talk about changing people's habits and attitudes towards transport because it's been, you know, it's 120 years of the internal combustion engine and, and people are reluctant and understandably to give that up. But we have to keep pushing. And lots of other EV stuff. Then do you fancy a little more of La Dolce Vita, a little more of the sweet life? Well, some thoughts on all aspects of what that could be and might mean from Chef Giorenzo Ferrasso. You can stop 10 minutes, have a sandwich and carry on. But if you stop an hour and you give the right importance to food, you will feel more relaxed and your brain will be more fresh to work in a better way after it. So potentially it can still deliver the same result or in some case even better. So please do stay tuned to hear from two wonderful guests. Many thanks. I kind of think of my first guest, Quentin Wilson, as been a bit of a founder member of Top Gear. So I started off by asking if, you know, is that right? Well, one of them, yeah. I mean, so I, when did I appear? Uh, late, late 90s, 95, 96, something like that, and, and joined Clarkson um, and, then, and, and Tiff, and then Vicky Butler Henderson came. So we had this period of about, what, 10 10, 12 years where we we took on the the global motor industry and 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 did all that consumer stuff and and they got very cross with us. Um so yeah, yeah. Yeah, well anyway, the the, the topic today is uh electric cars. And um I, I, I think some other of the presenters on, on top here kind of might have mocked them uh, a little bit, but during that time, you were kind of experimenting with them, taking it all very seriously, giving it evidence to government select committees and that kind of thing. So I, I guess the sort of the, now time has marched on. The first question has really got to be, are we falling in love with electric vehicles as a nation? Well, look, there are a million electric cars now on UK roads being happily driven by people who have folded them into their lives and aren't complaining. Um, the people who are complaining are the people who've never driven electric cars. So, you know, um, you've got this kind of vested interest pushing against it. So it's polarised. It's left and right. Um, the left likes electric cars. The right wants to hang on to their diesel pickup. And out of my cold, dead hands, you take it. Um, <laughs> there, are, there are some targets, though, aren't there? There's some government targets. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got the Z, Z mandate, which is is is, is a, a mandate that makes car manufacturers make a certain proportion of EVs right up to 80 percent by 2030. Uh, and then by 2035, 
we will no longer sell in the UK combustion cars and vans. So that's 11 years away. Yeah, this isn't actually that far away, is it? 11 years is quite a long time. And don't forget, your listeners need to understand that you, carry, you can carry on driving your electric, your, your diesel car or petrol car or van forever. Nobody's going to take it away from you. And I think the government right. managed the messaging on that. And people thought, no, they're going to take my car away. I won't be able to drive it. I have to have to buy an electric car. No, if you want diesel petrol, you can drive it till you till you die, effectively. OK, so as far as sort of government policy, etc., my my impression is that you're sort of getting a little worried that the direction of travel to move us towards, um, well, just changing our our, our sort of our lives and taking electric cars seriously for all sorts of reasons that they're, they're needed it's sort of getting a little bit derailed uh, and actually I, I saw a video of you saying that the targets could be unpacked by right-wing conservative backbenchers so I, it, what, what, what's sort of going wrong so look we've had this this geopolitical upset haven't we um and 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 there's been a recession, quarter four, we know that now. Um, people aren't spending, consumers have, have, have reined in. So the, the last thing they're buying is electric cars. So yeah. we had really, really or good- cars in general, maybe. Actually. Yeah, they're, they're down nearly 60% of all, all, all fuel types. Um, so, so, you know, the market's gone from 60% and quite a healthy exponential growth to about 40% and it, it it slowed. So what I'm saying and what Fiat is saying is, is to, to say, look, let's have that grant back. We used to have a grant where you could buy electric cars. Let's get the government in, in the March the 6th uh, budget to reinstate that, that, reinstate that grant to stimulate demand. Um, and we're not alone. I mean, the RAC said the same thing. The Society of Motor Manufacturers and Traders, Auto Trader also say, look, we need some stimulation for private buyers who now have no support whatsoever from government to buy electric cars, which are more expensive than, 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 than petrol and diesel ones. And you've got of the 27 member states, 20 EU uh, uh, members still give subsidies. We, we don't, a bit, but you've got Cyprus giving 12,000 euros, um, Greece 8,000 euros to buyers of, of new electric cars. So why aren't we doing this? You know, we need to have a an electric car market in the UK. We need to stimulate demand. We need to have gigafactories to build the batteries. We need to compete with America and Europe and China. And the only way we're going to do this is to keep pushing this seismic shift in the way we power and fuel our cars. Because it's been, you know, it's 120 years of the internal combustion engine. And, and people are reluctant and understandably to give that up. But we have to keep pushing because the rest of the world is yeah. decided to go. Well, get, getting people to change habits in anything, actually, is, is a hard. big deal, isn't it? Yeah, completely. And and to think this is all going to happen naturally by a process of osmosis is, is nuts, really. So that's why you hear and see me scrapping with backbench conservative MPs and Jacob rees and and, and, and and Farage and everything, because I believe it's really important for the UK, for, for air quality, for public health, um, for, for, for breaking that, 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 that connection with all the, the monopolistic fuel, yeah. fuel regimes in foreign countries. So we've got grants that would definitely help. I mean, that would make me think about buying an electric car uh, for sure. There must be some other sort of policy type things like VAT on charging, because there's a massive difference in cost of charging if you're lucky enough to have a drive, if, you know, if your house is big enough so you can plug it into your 
your home electricity supply as opposed to if you've got to charge it elsewhere. Um, so, do you think anything yeah. might change about that? Well, I will be taking a letter to the Treasury uh, quite soon that's signed by by loads of really, really important um, PLCs, um, including E.ON um, and Jaguar Land Rover and, and Stellantis, to get the government to reduce the uh, VAT on public charging from 20% to 5%, 5% in line with domestic charging. So it's it, that's really important as well. And that's an easy lever to pull. And it would only cost around $40 million um compared to are you sitting down the 120 billion that's been spent supporting fuel duty so you know these are levers that government can pull but you know between you and me the, the government has pivoted from being pro-electrification to being fossil fuel with its licenses for oil and, and gas and those back benches that you talk about that unruly coven you know they're, they're partly responsible for this so what i don't understand at all is what can possibly be the objective of hanging on to fossil fuels i mean there must be a reason for it i i don't get it at all and but you know what what, what are they up to or what you know that sounds bad they, they're not these people will have a reason follow the money mate you know <laughs> is it as simple as that you you are talking about displacing trillions upon trillions of economic activity all over the world. The oil and gas industry is just massive. And already we've heard from OPEC that, you know, the, 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 the rise of the electric car is threatening sales of oil. They, they, they know it, they could see it. And that's why it's hard for them to, 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 to hike the price up. It's only because the Americans have now started to control shale gas more completely and, and 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 shale oil that we can see prices will start to go up but the, the the fact that there are you know probably what 30 million electric cars in the world now not having fuel put into them has has changed opec's kind of financial model so of course they're worried you know they're really really worried that this is going to displace them and you can see saudi arabia uh, uh, doing doing more stuff towards you know tourism and and, and less on oil. But as, as as far as you know, UK PLC, you know we 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 could you know if, say this this um battery factory that never quite made it, you know we could get our own energy thing going. It, it seems like a, a a real opportunity that was missed because British Volt is is dead now, isn't it? Pretty much, or is it? I, I I've lost track. It, it's still the greatest site for a battery factory in the UK because it's got that interconnect from Norway. It's got the national grid close by with all all, all their power supplies. It's got a a railhead. It's got a deep a deep water a, a port. So you know a great place to build a battery factory. But we we stumbled on that one. And uh, you know in in terms of industrial policy, that was a serious mistake. MPs saying to me, well you know this 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 isn't going to make a profit for a long time. Battery factories don't make a profit for a long time. That's the whole point. Um, so, you know, we need to have that supply system, those batteries, they need to be here, they need not to be bought from other countries. Um, and, and we can build all these 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 new factories, all this new industry, all this new, new economic activity, and give people highly paid, highly trained, highly kind of expert technical jobs with this. Um, and it's 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 what we should be doing to guarantee the future of our kids and 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 clear air and cheap energy for all. That's what electric cars are all about. 
Chris. It's it, it it's about batteries. It's about renewable energy coming into the UK. It's about stopping relying on expensive fossil fuels. It's, yeah, it's important. I mean, kind of, I'm 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 sold on the, on the idea for sure. No question. What about some questions that sort of Joe Public people like me have if they think I I don't have an electric car, but I'm thinking my next car probably should be electric. But the sort of questions that I would ask as you know I'm, I'm not particularly into cars at all but things like um if I was to buy a second-hand car because I've never bought a new car uh, it's just first, first of all I haven't got enough money yeah but if I wanted to buy a second-hand electric car things that people talk about how can I know that the battery hasn't sort of degraded and hasn't been abused and will just last properly because that seems to me quite an issue yeah. OK, so look, the data we've got that shows that a, a lot of these electric car batteries are lasting way, way, way beyond what even the manufacturers predicted. So, you know, we're seeing them with 300,000 miles taxes on the original battery pack and original motors. You can check the SOH, which is state of health of your battery in your car, but you can also take it to places who will be able to tell you if there's been any degradation. If, uh, say, on a Tesla, y- y- you do... Uh, a couple of hundred thousand miles, your your battery degradation is about sort of four to five percent. And that would be kind of the same with an internal combustion engine. It will lose that amount of efficiency over that amount of miles. So the general consensus is that batteries on electric cars will last the the, the, the life of the car. So your battery guarantee is, is eight years and a hundred thousand miles from the manufacturer. And all the data we've seen over the billions of miles that have been traveled in electric cars is that the batteries are reliable and are not failing. So so you need to look at that. You need to understand that, look, the electric cars don't catch fire. You're 20 times more likely to catch fire in in a combustion car than an electric car. The batteries will be recycled. You know, at the end of life, when that comes at three, four hundred thousand miles, 95 percent of that battery can be recycled to make more electric car batteries. Um, they cost much, much less to service because there's there's so many less moving parts. Yep. Uh, they depreciate, yes, quite quite heavily. But at the moment, you know, we're, we're looking at a market where, where lots of cars are depreciating. But we're going to get to a stage, I think, quite soon where they start to level off. And already electric cars, secondhand electric cars are the fastest selling fuel type on auto trader, the, the buying and selling. Right. You know, they're okay. out petrol and diesel in terms of, of, of value another thing that i've noticed is that a, a lot of electric cars are look are really hot you know expensive top of the range very powerful and you know i don't want a car like that actually this is a big mistake it's, it's such a profound question chris because you know a lot of the german manufacturers said okay we're going to make electric cars in the form of big suvs that cost a hundred thousand dollars and this is what the public want they don't um, and even Tesla with their Cybertruck now are looking like they're out of place with the general kind of market. People want small, nippy, zippy electric cars. And this is why I the Fiat... take my kids to school, you know. Yeah, yeah, the, the Fiat 600 and, and 500e, this is, I think, one of the best electric cars you can buy, small electric cars. And, and that's really what we want. And and Tesla, for instance, have really missed the boat with not, not producing that $25,000 or $20,000 small electric car. And, and and this is, again, we go back to the, the, the Chinese have already built these and they will come and they will sell them here in the UK. So we need to build this industry and we need to do it fast. And the way we do that is to support it with grants. And that's why Fiat's call for this, 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 this grant is so important. 
Okay. Let me ask another slightly off the wall question. I, I looked at this uh, Everything Electric show in London and something that I, I really liked, and I, I've, I've looked at this before, there are loads of other modes of transport that electric that aren't cars, scooters, bikes, skateboards, roller skates, segways, all those things. And I find them absolutely wonderful, great fun. Um, should they be taken seriously along with cars, you think? Yeah, look, as, as a, a, an urban uh, zero emission form of mobility in towns, the electric scooter and the electric bike are really important, even the electric skateboard. If it gets people out of cars, then that has to be a good thing for everybody. We need to be really, really careful because we've seen quite a lot of fires from cheap um, imported uh, electric uh, scooters and bikes with incompatible chargers and stuff like that. So people need to be really, really careful about how they charge these electric yeah. scooters. Actually, they don't allow them on trains, which is because they're all part of the way to commute. And if you can't take them on a train, it doesn't really help, does it? Yeah, but we, what we need is a standardization. Like in, 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 in some states in America, you cannot buy or sell or own um, a, 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 a non-approved electric scooter or bike. So that, that right. really does need to be done because, you know, people have died from these house fires because electric scooters yeah. have been charging with the wrong, the wrong equipment. Good. All right. So final question. If people are interested in changing the way they get about looking at an electric car, where can they go for some good, sensible information on how to go about doing it? OK, so if you want to hear about Fiat and their £3,000 grant on the 500 and 600, go to fiat.co.uk. If you want general information on electric cars, go to electrifying.com, go to faircharge.com, go to Whatcar, go to Autotrader. There are loads and loads of sites out there that tell you the, the unvarnished truth. And I always say to people, Chris, you know, if you want information about electric car, talk to someone who's owned one. Don't talk to someone who hates them on a cellular ideological level that so many people do. Talk to someone who's been driving one for a couple of years and then you'll get the real truth about range and about how nice they are, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That sounds like excellent advice. So we'll finish with that. Thank you very much indeed for chatting, Quentin. Pleasure, Chris. Love chatting to Quentin there, even though he thought my name was Chris a couple of times. Anyway, not to worry, he's a busy guy. On the same sort of EV type topic, I plan to go to the Everything Electric show in London at the end of March and also have as a guest soon uh, the CEO of that show, Dan Caesar. And even better, there'll be a chance to win some tickets to go to the Everything Electric show. Uh, so do keep listening. I'm not exactly sure what week that will be, but it'll be coming up soon. So please do keep listening so you don't miss that. And uh, carry on listening to today's show. Thank you. Before talking to my next guest, who is Chef Giorenzo Ferracio, about La Dolce Vita, the sweet life, I kind of wanted to be a bit nosy and ask him about his business as a private chef and what that entails and some of the people that he may have chefed for. That's right. Obviously, you're from Italy. You're yeah. cordon bleu trained. You live and work in the UK and you're a member of the, the Slow Food Organization. So there's Kind of loads and loads of influences in 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 the food that you make and prepare so what what do your private dining customers get with all those different influences or is it up well, to them there is even well most of the time i've tried to make it up to them because i want them to be able to enjoy as much as possible but 
uh, there is a mix, some Italian, so I'll, let's say I'll do 60, 70% of what I do is Italian, but I'm also trained in French cuisine and also in Spanish cuisine. So I'll try to mix all of them together to create something unique and different. And uh, in the, with the same way uh, we are trying to do with La Dolce Vita Guide by Fiat, we're trying to recreate some ideas, some tips to make uh, the people in UK uh, being able to enjoy more life in a more simple and let's say more in a simple and Italian way. Okay. Yeah, we're, we're, we're going to come on to that. First of all, I just want to just a little bit of gossip. All right. Who's, if you're allowed to tell me, who's your most famous private dining customer? So the most one, I, to say. I, won't be, I won't be able to tell you because I signed a non-disclosure agreement. <laughs> uh, I can tell you he's a member of the royal family. Oh, my goodness. How exciting. All right. Are you, are you, allowed, are you allowed to say what you cook for them? Um, I can tell you one of the dish, which was uh, the favorite on the menu, and it was a quail. Oh, wow. Okay. Fantastic. All right. Let's move on. The, 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 I've, I, I, I'm sure we could have a whole series on some of the interesting people you've cooked for, etc. But that's not the point of today. The point of today is to talk about kind of quite often when Brits go on holiday to Italy. And actually, I went a couple of years ago. Um, we're quite often impressed by some of the things that we see and we want to emulate some of the things of the Italian way. So yeah. what, kind, what kind of things the kind of Brits tend to like and then want to emulate and maybe copy when they come home? I think there are so many things, and the interesting fact about that is that uh, Fiat commissioned a study which have found that 67% of people living in the UK want to live a more relaxed and a more Italian lifestyle. And uh, I think most of in, in the world we're living right now, a lot of people switch on the television and it's all about food. And if it's not about food, it's, uh, maybe there is a movie that has been... Uh, uh, they are in Italy, or maybe it's a series. So there is a lot of connection toward um, the dolce vita, the, the sweetness of life. Now, people grow up with that idea, and they already know what to expect. But eventually, when they fly for the first time to Italy, and they realize that reality is even stronger than that. Um, for us, what it could be considered just a normal coffee break, for us is um, philosophy. We dedicate five minutes every some now and then to enjoy the coffee. So it's not just a break between one phone call and another one. No, we stop, we have the coffee, we enjoy the coffee, we think about the coffee and we think about life and then we carry on with what we are doing. Okay, no, I, I get it. Although I must admit, I did a little bit of electronic stalking of you and yeah. I, found, I found one thing that you do, which is very English, very un-Italian. This kind of, when I think of Italy, I often think about riding little mopeds around. But yeah. I saw a great video of you driving a massive, great Triumph uh, motorbike. And That's I, what, um, I felt a bit jealous. There is a huge connection with what I do in motorcycle, in this case, Triumph. Um, I always try, we, I have a group of friends, and we all share the same passion toward motorcycle and food. So what we try to do is every Sunday or whenever we can, we head down to the countryside. We decide to go to a very nice pub. We enjoy a great Sunday roast, and we do that with our motorbike. So it's a fun day. This this sounds like a quite good fun, and certainly I'm a little bit jealous. <laughs> but, 
I, I also I, I googled a little bit what Italians kind of like to do. Mm-hmm. I, I, it did. I can't remember where I saw this, but actually, a, a lot of things that Italians like to do are quite similar to us in some ways. You know, TV came up, radio, cinema. But what really did come up was a big, big difference. And that's kind of really enjoying being with family and uh, eating together. And uh, and the other thing that came up was talking, <laughs> like talking. <laughs> that's for sure something that Italian people love to do. Um, so, yeah, so why, why do Italians like all that? I mean, I, I think before answering that, I think we must understand the geography of Italy is quite a long country. I mean, we're talking about 1,200 kilometers from one top to the other. So we have, even though we're talking about Italy, we have a lot of different culture inside it, a different way to enjoy food, and of course, a different weather. You cannot expect uh, something from the north, close to the Tyrol, close to the Austrian border, similar mm-hmm. to in Sicily or in Sardinia. So of course, there is a huge difference between the mind of the people. But for sure, one thing that we have in common as Italian is talking. We do enjoy talking a lot and express our idea or our opinion and spending time together, mainly with the family. For example, a great example is a classic Sunday. Uh, in UK, people usually go to the pub and enjoy a Sunday roast. For us, we tend to stay more at home, maybe going to the grandmother home. She will bake... Uh, oven baked the lasagna and all the family will be around the table to enjoy the lasagna and just talk about the week and about what will happen next week and what the family will do that's nice i mean it, it's i think most most brits would have the image of a, a typical italian person family eating and drinking a lot you know the classic with eating a lot of pasta but the kind of the surprising thing is that Italians, you know, they have a life expectancy which is significantly more than British people. They, they're, they're thinner. They've, yeah. they've got lower blood pressure. Um, and they're just less, the, you know, blood pressure is better. They're just kind of healthier. But the whole process seems to be eating more, drinking more alcohol. How, how can this be? Um, that's just my opinion, so don't take it from a scientific point of view. But I guess, uh, genetically talking, Italian uh, developed themselves toward the Mediterranean diet. So eventually, uh, after, let's say, 500 years of eating pasta, uh, wine, and pizza, they, the, our gen- genetic side maybe is more... It's more simple for us to digest carbs rather than something else. On the other side, if we have a country with uh, more meat eater, perhaps genetically they they are more. It's more simple for them to digest meat rather than carbs. So I think that's the reason. The biggest reason is the quality of the ingredient. Uh, we don't take shortcut on that. We just go for the freshness and the best thing available. Even better. If you grow it yourself in your garden. Okay. So so this idea of really making fresh food and the whole Mediterranean diet, you think is kind of at the complete forefront of this? I yeah, I think so. I think is the, the main the main key. Uh, we go in South Italy, in Sardinia, I believe is one of the places where with the highest with the highest uh, age um, longevity. So 
there is a connection to that. The weather do a lot. I mean, you you won't feel as happy as being in Sicily today with 25 degrees or being in London with seven, eight or nine degrees and raining. So there is also a connection with the weather, I think. Sure. Okay. Do you, do you think there's anything to do with not, not just the diet and, and the genes, as you say, but kind of the way Italians eat? You mentioned it a little bit earlier, talking about going for a coffee. You know, you don't just go for a quick coffee. It's an event. Yeah. Like, so it, it we made, to do with food in Italy is kind of an event. We make everything seems bigger than what it is. Um, and again, this philosophy is part of who we are. Uh, is an act, is uh, something that you do. And uh, we give a lot of importance to, to small details. For example, in the guide that we made with Fiat, La Dolce Vita Guide, we talk about food, we talk about coffee, we talk about design, we talk about pizza, we talk about style in general and also mixology. So even a normal Negroni, even a Spritz, we give the right importance to that. And if we, if we can have 10, 10 minutes uh, at a bar, having a Spritz, then we will take them, we will enjoy, and we will make, even if it's an hour, we, we give a lot of importance to that. And uh, sometimes more than, than what it is. What about the kind of the working day? So um, here, well, as you'll know, for sure, you you know, you know you live here. Maybe you've got into some of these bad habits as well. It's not <laughs> uncommon for someone at work to eat a quick sandwich at their computer. Now, I, I, I work from home. I work for myself. I, I really don't do that. But millions of people do. Um, I bet not many people do that in Italy. Not. Maybe if we are talking about big city uh, like Milan, that it can be similar to London. I'm pretty sure there are some busy office where they work in a very similar way. Still, uh, it's not the same. And you can still, if you walk down the road in any Italian city, you will see the restaurants are full. People will take a very long lunch hour. Sometimes it's two hours. They will definitely drink half bottle or one bottle of wine and then one or two coffee before going back to work, I guess is connected to a kind of philosophy where we, we think that you can stop 10 minutes, have a sandwich and carry on. But if you stop an hour and you give the right importance to food, you will feel more relaxed and your brain will be more fresh to work in a better way after it. So potentially it can still deliver the same result or in some case even better. Mm -hmm. No, I, I agree. Certainly if I, if I, take some time off work, go for a walk, take the dog for a walk or something, whatever it might be. If I've been mulling over an issue or a problem, then things do sometimes become a little clearer, I think, for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so look, very quickly, we, we've covered uh, food and eating and uh, that kind of thing. Any other aspects of La Dolce Vita that you think us Brits would get something from copying a little bit? Um, I mean... Mainly, the main one, I guess, it will be slow down and try to to take everything we have and uh, enjoy the moment. Um, now, a lot of Brits uh, travel to Italy as a first destination, so they are able to to see that with their own eyes and perhaps once they are back, try to copy some small uh, daily details. For example, uh, normal lunch, 
uh, you're doing a fresh, you're doing a pasta, maybe a spaghetti with tomato. Just try to do the right recipe. If if it's 10 minutes, cook them for nine, eight minutes until it's al dente. Don't overcook it. So maybe after few trips to Italy and after understanding and seeing this lifestyle and the quality that it can give you back, even from a mental point of view, there are so many ways that we talk in our guide that small uh, tips, but can really can really help to to make a better life, a more simple one, and definitely a more Italian one. Okay. You mentioned ingredients a little bit earlier. Let, let me ask you quickly about ingredients, because if you're going to eat well, cook well, it's all about the ingredients. Yeah. Uh, now, can you get good ingredients in, in the UK, really good ingredients in the UK? I think I'm only struggling with tomatoes, with fresh tomatoes. Um, compared Why do to tomatoes here taste of nothing? They soften, they look lovely, but they have absolutely no taste. I guess it's because it's raining most of the time, so they get bigger, full of water, but, but no, there is not enough sun, and the sun creates the flavor a lot on the plant, so probably that's the main reason. The, a lot of companies import tomatoes, so you can find tomatoes from uh, a lot of different countries in Europe, and they are nice. But part of that, I guess nowadays, anything else you can find, and with a very good quality, there is a lot of mozzarella, burrata from Italy, but there are also companies here in the UK that are producing mozzarella and burrata with British milk. So they are local okay. and very good. The same goes with flour and uh, for making bread or um, pasta or pizza. And I guess you can, you can find anything you need. Now, uh, most of the time we overthink about stuff. So finding the best ingredient also mean keep it simple, extremely simple. Don't overthinking, not overcooking, don't put too many ingredients in one dish, just one, two, three ingredients per dish and job done. The flavor of the ingredient will give everything away himself. You don't need to cover it or exaggerate with spices and other stuff. So the freshness, but the simplicity is also the main factor, I think. Okay, that sounds, that sounds like great advice. Now, if people are listening to this and thinking, yeah, maybe I'm going to try a little bit of... Uh, La Dolce Vita for myself. Is there a source people can go to for some ideas? I don't know, cooking yeah. tips, general thoughts. Tell, yeah. tell, tell, tell we, me what that could be. We created the guide. The guide have around 30 tips and they can find them on fiat.co.uk slash Dolce Vita guide. And they can find it there and there are all the details to live our life in a more Italian way. <laughs> okay. Gio, that's the perfect place to finish. So many thanks for taking a few minutes to chat. Thank you very much. Have a beautiful day. Thank you very much to my guests on this week's show. And they were Quentin Wilson talking about electric vehicles and Gio Renzo Ferrasso talking about La Dolce Vita. And of course, a big thank you to you for listening and have a healthy week until next week. Thanks for listening to the Relax Back UK show. Join me, Mike Dilk, again next week for more fascinating interviews and chat. If you're listening to the podcast version, please subscribe, like, and share it with your family and friends. And have a healthy week. Until next week.